As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Go to the store. Buy a bottle of hoisin sauce. Open the fridge. Oh, no. I have a bottle of hoisin sauce. Go to the store. Buy a bottle of hoisin sauce. Open the fridge. Oh no, I already have a bottle of hoisin sauce. Go to the store. Buy a bottle of hoisin sauce. Open the fridge. Oh no, I've already got a bottle of hoisin. Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network, a fine network. It's Thursday, May 18th, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this one's for Jimmy Frankin Butler! Next to Tassie, it's the bearded one, Matapsha Hot Boy, Trey Kirby. Ayo! Ayo! And last but not least, over yonder, making the magic happen, Eshua Kid. How y'all doing? What's up, Ash? Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Go get your No Dunks merch over at NoDunks.com. Get your Is This Good merch, too. Search for that over at BreakingTea.com. And hey, join us later today if you're a Survivor fan for a little No Buffs action, our Survivor recap podcast, the penultimate episode of last night's Survivor 44 app. It was a great one. We'll break it all down. 1 p.m. Eastern. No Buffs has its own YouTube feed and its own podcast feed. So go subscribe to that. We got... Lots to talk about once again here. The NBA always delivers. And we had another great game. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Frickin' Butler, you said it, Task scores 35 as the Heat rally to beat the Celtics. 123-116 to take, once again, the 1-0 lead in a series. Uh, the third time <laughs> this playoffs where the Heat went in and won on the road in game one. And the Celtics love giving away a game yeah, one. That That's what they do. They That's how they, they roll. absolutely love it. Uh, but you can do it against the Hawks. You can do it against the Sixers. Uh, I'm not sure you can do it against the Miami Heat. Mm. We're calling this the Jimmy Butler game, but he's got a better one in him, I think, in terms of scoring. I mean, this was a game where he was just setting up everybody, everything going through him. You had five other guys with multiple threes on this team. Yeah. And that's all Jimmy, Gabe, three threes, Max, three threes, Caleb Martin, Kyle Lowry, three threes piece, Kevin Love, a couple threes as well. Max, uh, a big start to that third quarter where they scored 46 freaking points. 
But uh, Gabe and Max, <laughs> Gabe and Max, the Mad Max call from Reggie Miller. We, I know we all get caught in giving people nicknames, but Max Struess does not deserve a Mad Max no. uh, by any means. But he, I mean, I, I do say everything kind of went through Jimmy, but Max Struess created a big three to start that rally on his own, just crossover, crossover, big three. Uh, but I, I think. Yeah, this was the perfect heat game in that he was setting everybody up and there was a combination of him setting everybody up and the Celtics making mistakes. A couple minutes left in the in the fourth quarter, Marcus Smart uh, pulled a Jalen Brown from last, last series where Jalen Brown left the strong side corner and Jimmy or James Harden, Jimmy James Harden hit that three. <laughs> he, uh, Marcus Smart did the exact same thing, leaving Caleb Martin in the corner and it goes from a four-point game to a seven-point game. More mistakes on the Celtics side with Jason Tatum turning the ball over three times basically in the last few minutes of the game. Uh, so it's a combination of Jimmy and his crew. Um, I mean, he's just the head of the snake where he's the best player, obviously, on this team. But, uh, you know, he'll get the MVP if they go win this thing. But he, everybody, everybody doing it behind him. I mean, those numbers that I just said, can they repeat all that? I mean, I don't think this is the Jimmy game, really. I think this is the game where they all hit threes. And the Celtics got to be worried about another Jimmy game coming where he's yeah. going to score 45. The Pulse wrote this morning, Trey, there is a point where something marvelous astonishing even becomes the norm and what began this postseason as an incredible effort from jimmy butler has become regular he has done this multiple times now here 35 in game one let's not forget the seven assists six steals uh, some big ones late breakers it felt like yeah and five rebounds he was locked in early trey i thought you know Stupidly into this game. locked in yeah the layups getting to the line Dribbling into space for the jumper, especially, you know, when Time Lord was sort of hanging back. And then I loved him shutting up the crowd early when the Beantown boys got excited excited about Peyton Pritchard being on him. <laughs> and there was like, oh, Pritchard's on him. He'll lock him up. And then he just hit a jumper baseline over him. And you could tell Jimmy turned to the crowd and like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> you shut the you hell cheering up. cheering fools. Uh, you but, yeah. silly beans. Uh, I agree with Tats. I agree with still with the here in the stream team. That was Jimmy, not totally Hemi. There is another level yeah, he can go yeah. to, but that's definitely scary for the Celtics because he still completely dominated uh, the game. Like I said, the six steals in the fourth quarter, it felt like there was never a deflection steal and the ball just ended up in Jimmy's hands. It was a pickoff and he's going the other way and the Heat are getting a basket out of it. He was by far the best player on the court last night and he's been the best player so far in the Eastern Conference uh, for the most yep. part. But the problem for the Celtics last night was that you can't take away everything, but they took away literally nothing. Because Jimmy, best guy on the court, 35 points. Bam was the second best guy on the court. 20 points last night. He was so aggressive, pushing the tempo. The Heat basically play through him as their point forward if it's not Jimmy handling yep. the ball. And then 14 three-pointers from the shooters outside of Jimmy and Bam. That's like a perfect Miami Heat game. I mean, they're shooting over 50%. That's something you would more so expect from the Celtics rather than the Heat in a game like this. But apparently it was a season-long con job by Miami. We can't <laughs> shoot at all. And now they're on fire and they never miss. It's incredible. Yeah, to hear Stan Van Gundy say on the broadcast, every one of their shooters has a better percentage in the playoffs than the regular season. And it's totally true. I mean, they just they're just new players. Well, didn't they lead the league in three-point percentage last season? You know, not this yeah. regular season, but the season before. So, yeah, no, they're on fire right now. They're getting good looks and they're like obviously generating a ton of them because of Jimmy and all the attention he was drawing. And uh, we had the Celtics shitting the bed here late again, too. I mean, this has been 
sort of uh, always rearing its ugly head in these postseason in this postseason. The Celtics were within five with five minutes to go. You know, you're at home. Here you go. You got superstars on your team, and this is what happened. Jalen Brown missed a three. I thought he had a really good look at that one. Couldn't knock it down. Then we had Al Horford missing a three. That's okay. He grabbed his offensive rebound, but then he had a turnover. That's where Jimmy, like a, like a cornerback, just went up and grabbed it and went the other way. So that's a pick six there. Then we had a Tatum turnover. I thought Max Struess stood him up. I thought it was really impressive defense well, yeah, from sure. Struess, who also had one against Jalen Brown that he was cutting him off baseline. Um, so really good job of him. Mad Max was awesome. And when he got <laughs> when he got locked up there by Bad Max, that one resulted in a Jimmy pick six. Now that was just a brutal Tatum pass. Like Jimmy was standing right there. That, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird one. But anyway, then we had Brogdon missing one of two free throws, and then we had the two Tatum turnovers where he traveled. One, driving into traffic, shuffling the feet there when he picked up the ball. And the other one, he traveled on the pump fake three where that toe just came up. And uh, it was Martin closing out like a madman. Mm-hmm. Like a, a mad, mad Martin. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was on the Fury Road as but well. But that's, that's three Tatum turnovers there in 90 seconds? You're not going to see many worse fourth quarters uh, from yeah. Jason Tatum. Complete diaper disaster. It was weird. It was like for the first half of the fourth quarter... I was with Stan Van Gundy. Like, why is Tatum not touching the ball? They're scared to get him the ball. Jimmy Butler was guarding him. They were going away from him. Absolutely. And then Tatum started touching the ball, and every turnover was disgusting. He said it after the game. They sped me up, and he looked completely sped up. No field goal attempts in the fourth quarter for Jason Tatum. He did go to the line six times, so those are some shooting possessions. But the three turnovers were backbreakers. They were disgusting. Every one of them was like... Have you played before? <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you have you played uh, against a defense who actually wants to get out on you? Uh, it was impressive by the uh, by the Heat the way they were out on shooters all night long. Only gave up twenty nine attempts for the Celtics. They're trying to shoot fifty threes a game. Yeah. And it was clearly a part of the game plan for Miami to take away the three point line. And Tatum seemed to be the guy that it affected the most. Yeah, and old man Al, you don't see him with a turnover like that that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. That was that was a real weird one. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, back to their old ways of losing the handle. Ten turnovers combined for for them. And in the biggest of moments there yeah. at the end. And, and combined, as I mentioned, that, that smart, bad play to leave uh, Caleb Martin in the corner. I, you've got your Peyton Pritchards. you got your Derek Whites, who Jimmy Butler likes going against. But those guys should be standing up to Jimmy one-on-one. They have to because Jimmy is going to pick you apart. As he said multiple times, and and why I've sort of been, uh, I guess, Jimmy-pilled here with the idea that he wants to play the right way and pass to everybody. He does. You double him, he's he's just going to find everybody. That's what happened in this game. What's wild about the Celtics and these like late-game turnovers, these collapses down the stretch, is like... This is not like a, a new team to the postseason. I mean, they've been in the conference finals like it, five times in seven yeah. seasons with this core. So they're not a young team unaccustomed to the to the bright lights. That's what's the perplexing part. And uh, now they're 0-4 in playoff games in this postseason run in close games. Seven points or less. I know it's usually a little smaller than that. But uh, yeah, they don't have a great record when these games are very, very close. And a lot of it is just uh, poor shot selection or these turnovers are backbreakers. I thought they played pretty good basketball at times in this game. I mean, in that second quarter, the Celtics ripped off that 15-3 to run. Um, they were aggressively going to the net. They were living at the paint. Al Horford 
had like a spin and taking it inside. It was like everybody was going. Marcus Smart had the 10 assists. He had zero turnovers. He was throwing some crazy lobs to Robert Williams. And they were up 66-57 at the half. And then Tassie said it, that third quarter, it was wild. The 46 points. 46 is a lot. And it felt like they did not (laughs) miss the Miami Heat. Yeah, they got hot. 46 points on 25 possessions. 1.84 points per possession, according to our man John Schumann. So you come down the floor and you're scoring basically two points each shot. (laughs) Uh, Some of them were just scorching hot. Some of them, they come out of the locker room just believing. And big plays from just guys that... It didn't have incredible seasons. Kevin Love couldn't hit shots. Hit that step back three instead of going on a fast break. Max Struess, as I said, created his own shot. Had an incredible quarter. What did he end with? He had 13 points in that quarter. Five shots. So guys that were struggling to find their way. It is incredible how they've all fit in perfectly. The Joe versus Spo battle, uh, as uh, Jared Weiss called it. <laughs> Joe Mazzula versus Eric Spolstra. I know people are just railing on Joe Mazzula. Maybe call a timeout a little bit earlier in that forty-six point third quarter. Sure, maybe call a timeout. Yeah, I mean they had they 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 ended up getting whatever it was the TV timeout, and then they still stunk after. Uh, they were just they used those timeouts to stop the momentum. The momentum was just never stopped. Period. These Celtics, this is what they do. I mean, we we know it uh, at this point. So it's it's just something we gotta expect i guess from game to game to game um it is it's just strange though against the heat might not work yeah the heat's superpower is their attention to detail too i mean and that's led by spo and jimmy butler there's no doubt like they just seem like they're so locked in on every single possession every you know rebound every screen every switch whatever uh you know going from zone to, to man and stuff like that um lowry had a big second quarter too when the when the celtics were playing really well he had that 8-0 run the the kyle lowry run I was screaming when he hit the second three in transition. It was like, oh, he was feeling it. He had 13. That was Raptors Lowry. 13 points, yeah. Absolutely championship Raptors Lowry there. Um, And they were big because it sort of kept them within the game. But yeah, the explosion there in the second half. And back to Bam. You're right. You said you you thought he was the second best player last night. The first four minutes of this game, it was like Time Lord versus Bam. Like it was all those two guys. But he finished, Bam did, with 20 points on 9 of 13 shooting, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. And you said, TK, like him uh, operating as their point guard. You can bring it up. He actually fought Kevin Love once for a defensive rebound that I think Love ultimately got. But you can tell Bam, not only he he wanted it, not to do with the box score or anything, it was like, I'm bringing it up. Let's let's go. Yeah, exactly. Um, But great game from him. And they they need three more Bam games like this to win this series. Like he to me is like a bit of the linchpin here uh, for them ultimately going to the finals. I think he did not have a good series against the Celtics in the conference finals last year. I think he had averaged 15 points per game. He had a 31 point game, which I mean, if you're averaging 15, do the math. That yeah. means basically single digits in a couple of the other games out there. But I don't know. It definitely threw the Celtics off seeing Bam be so aggressive. And you're right, man. He was fighting the entire night. He fouled the guy laying on the back trying to grab a rebound. And it was like. What is Bam doing? Yeah. He was like, when Jimmy was out, he was almost going a little bit too overdrive at some <laughs> points, but you could tell it paid off in the long run. And I just think it was such fool's gold for the Celtics, the way they were dominating in the paint in the first half. That ain't Celtics basketball. That's exactly what the Heat want you to do. Right. If Robert Williams is scoring that many points, that means your other guys aren't shooting, and you would rather have every other guy shoot if you're the Celtics. Yeah, they went from 40 to 21 points in the paint from half to half. Yeah, it was it was strange seeing Robert Williams being leading their offense. It's totally true. 
And uh, yeah, Bam has taken this matchup personally. You said he he did have a bad conference finals, uh, and it, it's it's odd with Bam. You'll see waves of him not being aggressive. Happened in this game. Started the game as you said, mm. hot. Went away from that third quarter. Oh, he's back. I mean, he, he yeah. looked like Nikola Jokic bringing up the ball at times, but Bam can do that. Uh, so if if yeah, he finds another level, as he said, I'm way better than I was 12 months ago. Yep. Way better. Then this this obviously this result can be way different. Bam had a highlight that wasn't in this game too. Threw down a windmill mm-hmm. oh, after the it. whistle. Yep. Yeah, like well after the whistle, but it was like oh showing off the hops there. Um, and he was involved in winning jump balls. There were two jump balls <laughs> late in this game. Yeah. After scrums, I mean, there felt like there were six guys on the floor. That was fun. And uh, the Heat won both of those. I can't remember the result. I don't think they scored on on one of them. But, uh, you know, obviously getting to those, tying them up, and him winning them. Uh, any other notes from this? Well, I guess a question for you guys is, like, any panic here from the Celtics? Like, no way. been here, done that. No way. So, they lost game one against yeah. Philadelphia. Came back from 0-1. Came back from down 3-2 last season. They were down 2-1 against Miami. Won a game seven right. on the road. Down 2-1 and 3-2 against Milwaukee last season. Won a game seven at home. You could say that the series doesn't start until the Celtics trail in a series. <laughs> they got the Heat right where they want them. <laughs> Maybe. The, heat play, or the Celtics play their best when they are backs against the wall. And now it kind of is. Game two is a must win. You can't go down 0-2. No. Heading to um, the other barn, if you will. <laughs> but I saw that Kevin Pelton said that Home teams that lose game one in a playoff series win the series 51% of the time. So a 1-0 lead is nothing. That's an incredible stat. Yeah. Uh, Flip 50, a coin. 50%. While if you win game one of a seven-game series, just in general, you win it 80% of the time, right? But I guess at home, it's the better team right. who loses at home so they can come back. Yeah, just, just so many... Boner mistakes from the Celtics in this game, which happens with the Celtics. Uh, you, you mentioned Marcus Smart giving it to Robert Williams over and over and over and over again, and then he just did it too much uh, when their guys just weren't being stars. Uh, I know Jalen Brown ends with a good line, uh, and, and and Tatum had mostly a good game until the end, um, but it's just so weird to see all that talent, all that stardom not take over in the fourth quarter or do something with all that talent in the fourth quarter. So you can't be... You can't be worried um, because this is what they do. But do you think Missoula makes any switches here moving into game two in terms of starting lineup or who gets more minutes? And like, is that a, a see you later, Pritchard? Does he, he ever give he, Grant he, Williams yeah, a uh, go? I'm not sure. Pritchard should be out of the lineup, yeah. and uh, I think Grant Williams should be in the lineup. I guess he's uh, played against Bam out of bio since they were in high school together. He knows him, <laughs> and probably it was actually pretty solid on him if I'm remembering correctly. Last season. I think Derek White earned some more minutes. 11 points last night, four for six from the field, hit three threes. I said before game one, I think this is a series that the Celtics probably should go small yeah, for. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's likely going to be the case going forward. Yeah. That was a weird move to see Peyton Pritchard out there. I don't really get it with all their depth. Jimmy loved it. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, those God. few those few possessions. I mean, he was good at going against Derek White, too. He was playing him well. Uh, but, yeah, Jimmy was just feeling it. But Derek White, yeah, he's, he's in that good Derek White mode. He's... he's He's got the blinders off. He's ready. He's he's focused. At least Missoula was showing some emotion there. Frustrated. <laughs> Throwing a clipboard <laughs> during this game. Yeah, uh, he said it's not about play calling, so <laughs> don't need to write anything down. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, uh, what see, a, it's a blowout, man. This is a blowout coaching-wise. It's not even close. Uh, yeah. The guy said they won three of four quarters in the postgame last night. Who cares? Well, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> cool, man. You <laughs> okay. got blown out in the one that mattered. 
He's just bad. He's uh, They're going to regret giving him an extension before even getting done with year one. All right, right possibly. Um, any other random notes from game one here? Well, I mean, I, I don't think just the starting lineup, I don't think changes. I don't think it really matters, to be honest, with the Celtics. Like, it does matter more about the way they play <laughs> and getting them going. Um, I mean, I think you're going to see more Brogdon. Uh, even though he was he was busy asking Kyle Lowry how his family is, was which nice. was very nice. You don't hear that very often on basketball floor. And he knows that Kyle Lowry has sons because he said, uh, yeah, how's the family? Oh, boys. <laughs> Man, I got girls. I got girls. Uh, crazy hearing that. But that's why people love Malcolm Brogdon. Nice guy. So you think then what Trey's saying is that maybe not starting lineup, but we could see the Celtics Grant. going smaller more. Uh, against the Heat here, yeah. and maybe an advantage. Yeah. White, Brogdon. Horford's due. Horford's due. Every shot he takes, I think he's due. Hmm? Uh, yeah, less. Pr- I think Pritchard will be out. Whether Grant gets some minutes, I mean... He hasn't played at all. Very rarely. <laughs> very rarely. Uh, I have a random note. Did Reggie Miller at one point say, I was the Borg of basketball? <laughs> Did he say that? Like Bjornborg? I don't remember him like, saying, I, I thought, was the Borg of basketball. I, I, I wrote it down. <laughs> I thought I heard him say that, like cyborg, I think, but uh, he shortened it to Borg, which I didn't know was a thing you could do. Let me know in the stream team if wow. Reggie said that. <laughs> I thought he meant. I know what he did Bjorn say a couple Borg. times, about eight times. The butler did it! <laughs> the butler did it! Who did it, Reg? The butler did Oh, my God. I liked when his mind was blown that they ran floppy action. Yeah, like, yeah, was that floppy? I think that's when the Borg came up. I swear to God, it was around that time. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Uh, I was also excited to see Jalen Brown's uh, hand wound opened up. Called it. I said there will be a time this you did. postseason oh, that where that hand, hand opens up, and it finally did last night. Can't believe Jalen Brown wears his mask when he's sitting on the bench. <laughs> that was crazy to me when they looked over, and people were like, you got to commit. Got to commit to the bit. Damn, he banged his elbow there, too, when he went yeah, down. That looked bad. Yeah. yeah. I guess he's a Borg. He's a Borg? Um, yeah. He's that, a Borg. That was weird. Yeah, I wonder how the hand... I mean, it is his shooting hand, um, and he just he just seemed to be a little bit off, even though the shot was there, as you said. Um, I guess that's the end of my notes. Obviously, Kevin Harlan, an incredible Jimmy frickin' Butler call. That was call. so funny. Perfectly timed. You drop a frickin' <laughs> in, a, frickin'. in a game. That's awesome. He was ready. He was so ready. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was mentioning a lot of football players last. Yeah. Night. Oh, that was over. The, that was too a much. Li- a little too much. Uh, yeah. We yeah. know you call NFL games, man. But Kevin Love threw a full court outlet pass as he often did. He says, "Looking like Tua, a right-handed Tua <laughs> from the Finns." <laughs> you know, when you gotta elaborate twice, it's a uh, maybe a bit of an overreach. But what is Jimmy Butler's best nickname? Jimmy freaking Butler, <laughs> Himmy Butler, or Jimmy Buckets? Or I love Playoff Jim. It makes me playoff laugh so Jim. much. Because <laughs> every time I see somebody say Playoff Jim, it's the gif of him with the cowboy hat from, I believe, the bubble when he was yeah. walking off once. Yeah. Yeah, these are, I don't know. Do you have an answer to that? What's your favorite? They're yeah. all great. I, honestly, I didn't know if it was Playoff Jim or Playoff Jimmy, but I'm good with Playoff Jim. I love it. I don't know why. It's, it's great. I like, man... Oh man, Hemi Butler is great, but yeah. then there's a lot like we're putting Hemi on everybody, right? I yeah, mean, like it's not just his. Unfortunately. No. Um, what was the third one you said? Uh, Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy the Buckets. Yeah. That's the original. Yeah, I do like that too. Full name Jimmy G Buckets, and the G stands for Get. get. Shout out Stacy King. <laughs> man, they're all good. That's a good poll right there. Those are four amazing nicknames. All right, I'll get it up. Guys, uh, amazing. That it's like. 
He's got four great nicknames and so many good reactions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're underrating Jimmy Butler. Ah, oh, man. That's fun to watch him play basketball. Well, <laughs> the Heat fun became stuff. just the fifth team in NBA history to uh, open a postseason with road wins in each of their first three series. You got the 81 Rockets. You got the 89 Bulls. You got the 99 Knicks, which makes sense because that's what the Heat are trying to do here as an yep. eight seed to get to the finals. You got the 21 Hawks. I'd forgotten about them winning game ones uh, mm. on the road in their first three series, and now you got the 23 Heat. Only the 81 Rockets and the 99 Knicks advanced to the NBA Finals, and neither of them won a chip. But uh, yeah, making some making some history here, going in there, winning game one on the road, and that makes a lot of sense to me because you have Eric Spolster as your coach. You have the best coach, no doubt, in the NBA. One of the greatest coaches probably of all time when it's all said and done, even though he never had won a coach of the year. <laughs> Still perplexing. Um, but, like, obviously having his team ready and the game plan of what they want to do uh, against that team, uh, their opponent, when they go into their barn. So, yeah, what a, what a win here. But we should have a hell of a series. And isn't the other thing, like, after a game one road win, the home teams are just, like, continually winning game They're two? Like 17 straight or yeah. something like that. So... It feels like a must-win for the Boston Celtics, oh, yeah. but if uh, if it continues the way it's been going, they'll, they'll take care of business in uh, their next game on Friday night. That's right, uh, Friday night. There you go. Uh, anything else, guys? From the Jimmy Butler thirty-five point performance, there. I was a little surprised by that Jason Tatum travel call where his toe did it leave the ground? It did. I, I made one. Yeah, I didn't think weird. so in real time, and then you see the replay. Oh, it comes off because he didn't complain. No. So that would make sense that he did come up. But. Yeah, he did. It looks so awkward, too, that I feel like you're going to get called for it more often than not, even if maybe the rubber on your shoe stays on the thing. But yeah. it just looks like a travel. It yes, does. yes, yeah. but I think that's what Taz is saying. It's like, it looks like well, a travel, did he? but did he come up? But he does. It comes up off the ground. Uh, Caleb Martin screaming at him, man. Martin had some nice moments in this one as well, man. They did. They he got, got crazy jelly. Yeah, everybody's oh, playing. Struce, yeah, nice. Martin, Lowry, Vincent. And then their stars in Jimmy and they Bam. are always and ready. even love hitting a couple threes there for sure, and doing some work on the boards. Uh, entertaining game, fun stuff there from uh, Miami Heat taking game one. You let us know what we missed, any takeaways, any random notes uh, from game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll take our first break, and when we come back, we got to talk James Harden. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, very funny comment here from director Jay Robertson in the stream team. Uh, He says, I'm convinced Spo could pull me off the side of the street and coach me to get 10-4-4 in a playoff game. (laughs) How does he do it? Uh, It does feel like that way uh, at times. If you are joining us live on Twitter, by the way, hit that like button and subscribe. And we have uh, some early 
results to the poll about what is Jimmy Butler's best nickname. Yeah, four choices. Jimmy freaking Butler, Playoff Jim, Hemi Butler, or Jimmy G Buckets. And right now we got a big lead for Jimmy G Buckets. 44%, 25 for Hemi Butler, 22 for Jimmy freaking Butler, and then nine for Playoff Jim. People just like saying Jimmy. Yeah, they love it. it is fun to say, yeah. for sure. Uh, all right, we got some uh, news to break down here. First one from uh, Chris Haynes at Bleacher Report slash TNT. Says James Harden intends to decline his $35.6 million player option to become an unrestricted free agent this summer in order to secure a long-term deal. He wants a four-year contract. And sources say Harden will only entertain suitors that present a competitive roster and the basketball freedom for the star to be himself. Mm. What do you think, Cass? <laughs> yipes. If you're the Philadelphia 76ers, yipes. I think you're, you're in a bad spot. Was that yet. a yipes? Yeah. Not a yikes. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Capital P. Is worst? <laughs> uh, I think so. Yipes yeah. is yeah, worse yeah. than yikes? Yeah. Yeah, y- yikes is scared. Ah. Whoa. Whoa. Yipes is uh, a little disgust, not disgusted, uh, concerned. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, bad That's taste it. in the mouth, that type of thing. Yipes, yipes. yipes. J- uh, James Harden signed a contract last year with the Rockets to take. I'm sorry, the Rockets, the 76ers, to take a, a a cheaper deal to try and help them get their guys. <laughs> that was last year, mm-hmm. and now he's not ready to to opt into the second year because he wants basketball freedom. Um, he just dropped 40 in two games last series. They had a 3-2 series lead. He was ready to go to the conference finals. He doesn't want <laughs> this perfect scenario. He wants to be able to shoot every time, I suppose. Isn't that what it means? I mean, what you're at number two on a, on, with a guy with an MVP. You got to shoot a lot. I understand they took the ball out of his hands there in game six. They gave it to Maxi. Probably peeved about that, but that's also because he had five bad games beside those two games. I just think from a 76ers point uh, point of view, I go yipes because he was your second best player, and now he doesn't want to be there. They gave him all the responsibility in the world other than passing the ball to Joel Embiid. So it's a tough scenario if you're Daryl Morey. You want to lock in for three or four more years of something you just signed for two years cheaper contract because he was ready to be a number two but now he doesn't want to be a number two that gets to shoot a lot very confusing spot very tough spot i think for daryl Morey. yeah uh, one pay cut then it's pay up and honestly (laughs) honestly i'm fine with it from harden's point of view like he did give up a little bit of money so pay the man uh but he's gonna have a hard time finding a place where you can get a competitive (laughs) roster and also basketball freedom because competitive roster you're looking at the sixers they lost in a Game 7 against a team that's in the conference finals. It's not the worst thing in the world. They look no. terrible. And the Sixers won the three games that Harden played like a normal player. The four games they lost, he yeah. played terrible. The fifth game, like that, the third win for Philadelphia is really all they need. Like 20 points and 10 rebounds. It's awesome when he's going for 45 points, but it's cooler when he just gets like a normal stat line. They just want normal James Harden. Another competitive roster he's been linked to is the Suns. Just a hilarious thing. <laughs> Basketball freedom, it's basically the Rockets. It's going to be hard to find a place where Jimmy Bo- where James Harden is the number one guy on a team and also the team is a, has a competitive roster that's trying to win a championship. I don't think that team exists right now. Right. Right. He's going to shoot less with the Suns. Way less. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he using – is Harden using the, this Rockets rumor, this idea of going back as some sort of leverage here to, to get a better deal? 
from the Sixers to for ha- for him and for Maury and that organization to pay him more money? Is that is that what's going on? Because he does have them in a tough spot. I, I talked about it the other day. Even without factoring in Harden's next contract, the Sixers have 117 million dollars in guaranteed salary on their books for next season against a projected cap of 134. That's not a lot of difference there. 134 to 117. And, you know, they still have decisions to make. Paul Reed's restricted. You got Niang and Shake Milton and Jalen McDaniels. And there's there's this. So, like, I, I just like this. These quotes, this basketball freedom and all that, um, and a competitive roster, That it's perplexing. No. Because... Sounds like an Under Armour shirt. I, I don't get what the term means. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't know, trickle down, what it means for Tyrese Maxey, who is going to want to sign a contract extension at some point. I mean, he's still getting paid uh, his rookie deal, the, the cheap money. And if Harden comes back, he'll continuously be the number three option. And I bring up Maxey because if he's in that number two option, if he's the point guard for the pick and roll options with Joel Embiid, I understand they'll be worse at first. But... <laughs> At least they won't be locked into James Harden for four years and unhappiness after every single year. I like that's that's my concern. The vibes can't be great here overall. So it's it's a tough spot for more lots of talent in James Harden, uh, but I don't know. They're just gonna go through this season after season after season. This is the weird thing. James Harden played very well this season, like really well during the regular season for the Sixers. He led the league in assists. He averaged twenty one points per game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Shot 39% from three. He had these monster playoff games, and then he had duds. Over the final three fourth quarters of the Celtics series, games five, six, and seven, James Harden didn't score in the fourth quarter. In those three games. I thought they got rid of Ben Simmons. Yeah. Uh, but no, 32 minutes. The guy didn't score in the fourth quarter of the biggest games of the season. But you're right. That's wild. You're right, though. It could be leverage. He's. It could be. I mean, that's possible. That's def- I think there's definitely a leverage factor because the Sixers, they can't let Harden walk. They really can't right now because there's no way to replace them. Uh, the the yeah. changes for the Sixers, it feels like, would be maybe letting Harden walk, which I think is kind of a bad idea just from an asset management stance, and then trying to find something to do with Tobias Harris's contract. That, that's, the, that's the next chip outside right. of James Harden that I think is definitely in play, but you can't just let a guy walk that's that good. Like, Harden... Despite the fact that he flamed out in the playoffs once again, you got to make it to the playoffs. You don't want to let your second best player just walk away when you're trying to keep Joel Embiid around. But it's only one more season for Embiid there in Philadelphia, so it should be fine. <laughs> Daryl Morey is enamored with James Harden. Well, he's not going to let him walk, right? I mean, I'm sure he wants to get him once again on a yep. better deal to help make the roster and try and put pieces around these two guys. But I think this is Harden. If you you know we're, we're going with Chris Haynes reporting, it's like no, no, no. I already did that. I already gave you the deal. It helped us get, uh, what, Tucker and House. House. Yeah. And we went out in the second round. So now you pay me. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I would not want to be uh, in in that position. I wouldn't want to be paying him here for a four-year deal. But you make great points. Like, they can't replace him. Unless it's, like, just, okay, it's all Tyrese Maxey. It's way more of a workload for him. And then and then try and pivot that way. But he, he did play well during the regular season. And if you believe Daryl Morey in his exit interview yesterday, he's got plan Bs ready lined up behind James Harden if James Harden decides to go somewhere else. Is that leverage? Harden has all the leverage here uh, at, at this point. Tough spot. Our next headline uh, is still about the 76ers. J.J. Redick is the betting favorite 
to become to become the Sixers head coach. This is from uh, Bet Online here. They have the odds. I think we have the graphic that our guy Jerome put together. Plus three hundred Reddick, the top of the leaderboard to be the Sixers' <laughs> next head coach. <laughs> now we got crazy. Mike D'Antoni, Monty Williams, Nick Nurse, Jay Wright, college legend, Mike Budenholzer, and Frank Vogel down there at plus eight hundred. There was many other names that you could put some coin on if you wanted to, but I. I cut it off there. Tass, you're uh, shaking your head. Well, bet online just stealing money from people. I think Jay Wright's <laughs> going to be the next coach of the 76ers. Let me put some money on that. Uh, it's just it's crazy to see J.J. Redick in this spot where we talked about him having an interview with the Toronto Raptors. Just seemed like he, him getting his name into the, into the media circle, into the atmosphere, um, even more so than it is. And now he's the lead for the odds here. This is, this is weird to me. Uh, I guess that's just where the money's going because all these other names are really, really good names. But there's just too many of them, and J.J. Redick is a different type of name. But I don't see him coaching the Sixers. Is <laughs> it possible? Coaches old teammates. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, it's a Derek Fisher, Jason Kidd kind of move, I guess. I mean, Kidd, or Fisher was the Knicks. Not the same. Kidd, not exactly the same either. <laughs> this is unprecedented. Magic? I mean, going way back, <laughs> right? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Good pull. <laughs> what, what do you think, TK, of of this list of names here and the odds and all that? I would take a chance on JJ Redick if I'm a team. I don't necessarily. Know, I'm with you, Tass. I don't necessarily know that JJ wants to get into coaching right away. Uh, he talked to uh, maybe Quentin Richardson about the prep work that went into getting ready to play in NBA games. And now, obviously, JJ Redick isn't going through the physical part of it, but. He was really committed to his off-season workouts, so you know it's going to be a stressful situation for him. Being a first-time head coach, I don't know if he would like to have a little bit more chill existence after his retirement, get his name up. Obviously, people are interested in him, but a new voice. He's young. He's got relationships with guys that are already in the NBA. He knows the game pretty well. That's more interesting to me, to me than like Mike D'Antoni, who is 72 years old. Right? How many retreads could you possibly have if you're Philadelphia? Monty Williams is Doc Rivers, once again. Jay Wright, a little bit interesting as a Philadelphia guy uh, coaching at Villanova, but who knows how college coaches come into the NBA go. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But Steve Kerr was a broadcaster. He's a pretty good coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. All right, this uh, next piece of news here to pivot away from the Sixers. Steve Kerr talked to the media, and uh, had some things to say about the Warriors struggling to build trust after the Draymond Green-Jordan Poole incident back in the preseason. Quote, some of that chemistry was lost this year for sure. There's no hiding from it. The incident with Draymond and Jordan at the beginning of the year played a role in that. It's hard for that not to impact a team. Anytime some trust is lost, it makes the process much more difficult, and there was some trust lost. That's as blunt as I can be, Steve Kerr addressing this for real I mean I know it came up throughout the season but him like really really like saying mm-hmm. yeah this had an issue this was an issue that we struggled with sort of all year the way they addressed it during the season was how the hell did that get out they were more upset yeah. that the video was publicized from a practice that, that, yeah. that was leaked internally yeah that's what they were upset about and so you know, th- this proves true here th- this tracks because right now <laughs> looking back He's basically saying, I'm not so much upset about Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole, but the effect that it had on our locker room combined with it being leaked, yeah, just hurt us. So I like the bluntness Mm -hmm. now. Um, And 
I mean, it was something that we all thought at the time. I guess maybe because it wasn't talked about, we thought, well, maybe they could get over it. But, um, you know, that combined with some bad habits, not building a, uh, a great bench to start, that obviously proved to be a, a non-championship team. I'm a little more surprised with the last week guys saying, like, Curry, like, this just wasn't a championship team. We just weren't there. I guess he knows better than the rest of us. But, I, you know, I was starting to believe at, at some point that they had the possibility of getting there. Two things stuck out to me reading this. Number one is that the margin for error for the Warriors was so much smaller this year compared to, obviously, the Dynasty teams, but even last year's teams. There was a lot of controversy. Kevin Durant's last season in Golden State, they still made the finals. There was a lot of controversy his penultimate season. They won the finals that year, and afterwards, David West said, we dealt with some things internally. When you guys find out about that, y'all are going to trip. I'm serious. Y'all are going to trip. It's a testament to the type of people these guys are and how tied together we were as a group and how committed we were to winning. That was all vets back then yeah. for the Golden State Warriors. In the 22 season when they won, Bielitsa was around, Otto Porter Jr. Poole played a big role for the first three rounds of the series. Gary Payton the second was there. In 17-18 when they won back-to-back, Iguodala, Livingston, JaVale, David West, guys who had been around the NBA for a long time. They tried the two timeline things. And it obviously didn't work. You had Poole fighting with Draymond Green before the season started. You had Jonathan Kaminga pouting through the playoffs. James Wiseman was traded. The young guys completely lacked focus, and you could tell. And that was a huge problem for the Warriors. And a preseason fight derailed their season because these are all young guys who are trying to make their name in the NBA rather than trying to get the ring to cap off their career. That's a good call. Yeah. They also occur, I should say, within this uh, you know media postseason conference um you talked about like Kaminga obviously needing to get better and uh how he didn't play him a lot in the postseason talked about pool how he was like last year he was like one of the core six I think is uh the term core was uh Kerr excuse me was using about him and how he struggled again was that a hangover from this Draymond Green incident maybe a little bit he talked about bringing Draymond back and Draymond's talked a little bit about this like maybe he's not moving off of the Golden State Warriors but the idea of rebuilding the trust uh, he talked about how he loves Draymond how brutally honest you can sort of be with him he can take a critique uh, because he understands the truth and all that and uh, spinning off of this there is this whole Bob Myers situation where it's feeling more and more likely that he's not going to be the GM still of the Golden State Warriors there's no deal in place and even Kerr was like uh, you know, someone's asking him about his contract or next contract because I think he has one more year left as a coach. And then all these decisions that I need to make. And he was like, well, we got to figure out Bob Myers first <laughs> because he is the one that will make all these. Yeah. So, according to reports, effect. they're not even close on, yeah. on a contract yeah. between Bob Myers and the franchise. That was So that was Steve Kerr's penultimate year on his contract? I believe it was. I just want to say penultimate because Trey... I got one in today. Seamlessly worked it in there. That's nice. Uh, Kevin Durant's penultimate season. I said it for Survivor last You said it yeah, for right, Survivor. Right. We, all, you know, we always say it for the second last episode of a series. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was the only way you could work it in. Trey worked it in there. Um, <laughs> it was perfect. This is our penultimate show of the week, I'd say. Yeah. It's oh, Thursday. Geez. If you don't count no buffs, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No ducks, yeah. <laughs> playback, yeah. We'll be playback in this week. You guys, I, you guys like EuroLeague Final Four? We'll be playback. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, the other thing he did say was about how Kurt did about Clay Thompson needs to come in in shape. Yeah. Uh, and now that he's like a little removed from the injuries and all that, that he needs to come in to camp physically and mentally locked in, which he was pointing out that he really wasn't this year. Uh, and again, you know, some of that's uh, injury hangover. Hmm. But uh, yeah, he, he he illustrated that and really uh, 
Because I forgot the Warriors started pretty damn slow again. Like, oh, yeah. Well, poorly. Very poorly. Three and seven. Yeah. Uh, 500 for a while. Blame the bench. I mean, the starters were awesome. Uh, they were the best starting five for a long time. They are getting older. Uh, so yeah. that's a good point. It's it's interesting about Clay going into his last season of, of his contract at 40-plus, whatever it is. All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we have Tweet of the Night and some fun EuroLeague news to share with you. Don't go anywhere. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, well, it looks like Jimmy G. Buckets is the go-to nickname for Jimmy Butler here in the playoffs. 43%, over 500 votes. The people have spoken. Though Jimmy frickin' Butler and Himmy Butler are exactly tied right now at 25%. Playoff Jim not coming through for me. That's all right. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a seasonal nickname. That's right. That's true. All right. <laughs> the pumpkin spice latte. Of <laughs> let's get to tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Tweet. Uh, I have got a basketball tweet of the night for you here. Okay. Because we sort of slipped it in yesterday, talking about the draft lottery results and the Blazers jumping up and grabbing the number three pick and what do they do with it? Well, at JJ Maples fifty five underscore. MST had a great question. Would you rather have a core of Shaden Sharp and Bernie Simons and then either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson plus the haul that a Damian Lillard could net you in a trade? Or would you rather have the current Blazers team plus 
whatever the number three pick gets you in a trade. Ha, 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 ha. That is a fun one there from Jason. What do you think, TK? What would you rather have? I know it's tough because it's like, what are you getting for the number three pick? What are you getting for the number three pick? And then, and then we have an idea what a Dame package would get you if we look at all these other you know, star players and the, the hall of picks and some decent players yep. that return to your team. What do you think? Um, I don't want either, to be quite honest. <laughs> I want Damian Lillard. I ain't trading Damian Lillard. If I'm Joe Cronin, I don't want to be the guy that sends away the best player in three decades from Portland. He can stay there as long as he wants, and if it goes poorly at the end, so be it. Happened to the Timberwolves. Kevin Garnett's still a legend in Minnesota. Uh, I I don't know. I just have a hard time trading the franchise superstar right. to tank. But I also don't want Simons back. Definitely don't want Nurkic back. I would trade Sharp if somebody's interested. They can't come back with the same team plus just trading the third pick. I think they can probably get a good player for the third pick, and I think that would certainly help the Blazers. But they can't come back with like a a tiny backcourt, once again. It clearly doesn't work if Nurkic is the backbone of the defense. they got to try something different. So there is a third path here where Lillard stays around and they actually make some moves to improve the team. Right. Okay, so the idea may be taking that third pick, pairing it with a Simons, uh, one of your other players, be it Sharp, yep. and moving that to get, mm. a, to, to get a player that could help Dame and the rest of the team. There is that option. What do you think? I'm too nostalgic too. I, I would I would struggle to trade away Dame, even though he's going to be 33 this coming season. I would be exploring every possibility of trading the number three pick and seeing what it gets you, and retooling. I mean, the smart move might be to yeah tear it down, but I it's I been working be for it. teams that have done it. Is the crazy part? Like you know, the Jazz moving Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and. Then still being like a competitive team at the least. We saw what happened with the Brooklyn Nets. I know it's a little different situation, but what they got back looks really promising in Mikhail Bridges mm-hmm. and Cam Johnson and all their picks, you know, restocking theirs. Um, and then we see like teams like the Wizards just stick with Bradley Beal and just continually have the eighth and ninth seed <laughs> every single year. So yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, TK. I think it's always a difficult decision, but. Sometimes those are the the tough decisions you got to make for the better of the franchise, and you know you'd get a hell of a package back for Damian Lillard, right? At the level he just played at, it would be huge. I don't know, like it's going to be obviously the three four with the pick swaps and all that, and then young players, maybe even still a solid player, to go then with your Sharp and your Simons and whatever the number three pick is, if it's Brandon Miller or Scoot. He'll be thirty three at the start of next season. Lillard, well, you think he brings back a humongous package? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. Like I don't, Durant style? I don't think uh, so. Maybe not Durant style, but not much off of that. Yeah. I, I think we that was the the golden age, that last year where we saw the trade for Rudy Gobert and DeJounte Murray and Donovan Mitchell and Durant to a degree. I think it would drop off a little bit, the, the type of package, because it doesn't work for everybody in terms of just – turning a, a franchise around. We saw what's what's going on here with the Timberwolves. So I, I think it would be a little bit less with with Dane. Uh, yeah, guy scored 32 points per game, seven assists, five boards. I know he's getting older, but he just had like one of his best seasons ever mm-hmm. in 60 games or just close to so 60 keep games. Him. Yeah, keep I him. Know. And then you got to completely, like Trey said, like retool around him because this doesn't work, this especially doesn't the work? Simons-Lillard backcourt. That doesn't work. Um, you know, they, they tried with the Grant uh, move. And he's a solid player, but he's not moving the needle all that much. 
That's, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I am leaning towards the idea of like, you move Damian Lillard right now because if you don't, if you wait two more years, I'll tell you what, it's only going to go down his value in terms of whatever package you're getting back. But yep. maybe they pair it with like, there's a lot of Raptors rumors thro- floating around. The idea of like, go get an OG with that number three pick. And then Siakam's name is there too with other players. So now is that is that a sharp and a Simons and a pick and like that? I mean, that's the kind of the kind of rotation around Damian Lillard that would make him a winner. I know those type of players. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let's play ball. The AI types, you know, around Dame for sure. Um, tonight, game two, Western Conference Finals. Just quickly here. Oh yeah. Yeah, we got basketball every night here. Yeah, buddy. Um, any thoughts heading into this one? Denver taking care of business in game one. Uh, what do you expect here from from Game Two? First question is who the Lakers start. Uh, the Dennis Schroeder experience starting small did not work. The Nuggets beat up on the glass uh, in Game One. It changed in Game or in the second half when Rui Hachimura got a bunch more minutes on Jokic and Anthony Davis was the roamer behind him. I wonder if it will be Rui Hachimura who gets the start or Jared Vanderbilt. I could see it going either way, but I imagine Rui is the guy who ends up closing the game for the Lakers, but I don't know. The other question, I guess, is who does he come in for? Most likely, it would be Schroeder out of the starting lineup, but you might want to bench D'Angelo Russell. He had a bad one. Maybe he can get hot off the bench. The question for the Nuggets is how they counter the Anthony Davis-Romer minutes. Maybe Brucey B plays some more, and maybe it's just Jokic handling the ball in a pick and roll and bringing Aaron Gordon up to be the role man. And then you're putting Anthony Davis into those actions with nobody hanging out back there. So there are some counters to be had, and there are some adjustments to be made, and we'll see. First time the Lakers have trailed in the series so far, this playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I think Darvin Ham's got to start somebody else, whether it's for Schroeder or D'Angelo Russell, somebody bigger to try and slow down Jokic. I think that person will be on Jokic. It's not so much in the half court where they're going to slow Jokic down. That's impossible, but... To slow him down just bringing the ball up. You just can't have Jokic dribbling the ball up to his chest level and coming down and starting every play. I think you're going to get a, a little bit of a, not 94 feet, but something like 50 feet of Jared Vanderbilt on Jokic to start this game. I don't think it's going to be Rui. It could be Rui, but we, uh, Trey brings up a good point. It could be Rui finishing the game, but not one guy can slow down Jokic. But if you combine those two, I think they could be the two-headed uh, type to slow it down again. At half court, like just not letting Jokic pass wherever he wants to pass. And I know they ignored Jared Vanderbilt on offense. The Nuggets were smart. They just just let him go do whatever he wants and is only his 10 minutes. But uh, I, I I think you you win if you're the Lakers and you can make this somewhat of a half court game. Um, that's that's just the biggest thing. If you slow it down a little bit, if, if Jared Vanderbilt just comes in to be that you know 20-minute guy to slow him down at the beginning of the games... That's a huge win if they slow it down, just to make it a more pinpoint, less up and down game. Game two tonight, ESPN of the Western Conference Finals. You know we'll be back here tomorrow with the Drop Podcast at 10 to break it down. But then later on Friday, this is fun, guys. We're going to watch some EuroLeague Final Four action on playback. That's right. Come watch some of these games with us. We're going to go live on Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. For the second semifinal game, Barcelona versus Real Madrid, El Clasico. Uh, And then on Sunday, we'll be back on playback to watch the final. That'll be at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can watch this by signing in through uh, ESPN3 if your TV provider has that and carries that. So you just sign in like you normally do on, uh, on playback. 
Or you can buy a $1.99 EuroLeague Day Pass, which works for the entire weekend. So you can, in theory, watch the two semifinal games on Friday, the third place game on Sunday, and then the championship game on Sunday, too. So it gets you the four games. And you just, like, sign up for an account with the EuroLeague and then get that day pass, and then you log in that way through playback. It's like a EuroLeague option. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So we're going to go live for the two games, one of the semifinal games on Friday, and then the championship game on Sunday. And I'm going to share the tweet right now with everybody in the stream team. We got some uh, EuroLeague day passes to give away. We got like 10 to 15 of these bad boys to give Save away. Save that $2. Hey. So hit that tweet that I just shared in the stream team. We've tweeted it, of course, at No Dunks Inc. If you're listening to the podcast and you want a chance to win it. Um, very simple. Just tell us who's going to win the whole thing. Like, I need to know. Who you got? <laughs> um, Barcelona. I'm going Madrid. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> you tell guys us. I know. You just have to interact with the tweet, and then we'll just pick uh, randomly 10 winners and get you set up with the promo codes for the day pass. And then you can come watch with us on playback if you want to. I'll be watching Olympiacos in the first semifinal as we do our regular no dunks tomorrow. Oh, because it's during time. that same time. That's why we can't be doing that game. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So hopefully see them on the final in the final on Sunday. Okay, so a little oh, EuroLeague Final Four playback. Yeah, there's some great names <laughs> Eddie Tavares, Gershon Yabusele. That's right. Anthony Randolph, finally in his prime. I can't wait to see Anthony these old Randolph. NBA guys. Yeah. Mario Hazonia, Jean and Musa. Oh, man. This is just one team. It's a. It's going to be a classic, what about this guy? Or how about this guy? Uh, get or this to, guy's there. Get ready to say some names yeah. in the stream team. That's right. Sergio, that's right. you crack that soldier boy. Uh, so that'll be again on Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on playback and then Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on playback. And go check out that link, uh, the tweet, I should say, if you want to try and win a EuroLeague day pass. Or you can just pony up the $1.99. Pretty good deal, too to watch some great action at the end. That, by the way, is only the day pass that we're giving away, at least, um, for American or Canadians. Just so you know. I guess the way it's set up is how it works. All right. Let's call it there. We're back tomorrow with the Drop Podcast. We're back later today for all you Survivor sickos uh, to recap last night's episode of Survivor 44. So join us at 1 p.m. Eastern over on No Buffs. Otherwise, Clipper Bro. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, and remember, there's no fighting in the NBA. There's also no fighting in EuroLeague. A friend of mine sent that Sergio Ewell scrum a little, mm, sent it to yeah. me a couple mm. months ago, and I said, that's like something that would happen in the NBA. It wasn't anything all that entertaining, right? Right. It wasn't all that big. And he said, well, it's fun talking to you, a-hole. <laughs> like, he wanted, a, he wanted me to say, whoa, what a fight. They fight in the EuroLeague. It was nothing. Right. Don't go look for it. I just want to know... Is it EuroLeague with a capital L or EuroLeague without one? I've seen both a million times. Sergio Yule has some L's for you. Uh, (laughs) Hold this L. All right. Embrace the day, people.